Shabbos, Paragimel, Mishnah Vav, 3.6. This Mishnah deals with a great many topics. Um, one of those topics is Muktzah. It's not the only topic. Um, and we touched Muktzah briefly before, and of course everyone's to some degree familiar with Muktzah, but I feel that um, a brief synopsis of the whole picture of Muktzah would be very useful for this Mishnah, and I'm sure for many people in general. So let's do that quickly. Um, there's a Dinder Abanan, as you know, which says that on Shabbos, one is not to move things that are not um, pre-designated from before Shabbos for use on Shabbos. Things which are not pre-designated, that's called Muchan, ready for use on Shabbos, are things that are set aside for non-use on Shabbos, and that's Muktza. Muktza means set aside, isn't set aside for non-use, don't touch it. The reason for this, um, there are a number of, of proposals given in the Rishonim. Um, one is that the Shabbos experience for someone who doesn't do malacha, like he's say learning all day, um, is not much different than during the week, and therefore to make it feel different, um, the rules of Muktza come into play to make sure that one doesn't um, even touch things that are not appropriate for Shabbos. Therefore, he feels the Shabbos experience is different. And certainly, I think we can relate to that because nowadays, almost the defining feature, the primary defining feature, if you will, of the Shabbos experience is Muktzah. If you ask me, every child, you know, they don't say something us on Shabbos to say, oh, I can't write on Shabbos. Is it Muktzah? Because Muktzah pervades the whole Shabbos experience, which is what Chazal wanted. Other reasons given um, in the Roshonim are that people, if they won't touch things like pens and hammers, won't come to do malacha inadvertently. And um, another reason given is that if you don't touch things you're not supposed to, you won't end up carrying them doing the malacha for chutzah. For any or all those reasons, um, Chazal set aside this rule that if something isn't muchan, designated for use on Shabbos, which basically, under normal circumstances, de facto just applies to food, and kalim, utensils that you use on Shabbos. Anything else essentially is not mukhan, it's muktzah, and can't be used um, unless pre-designated beforehand. Now, the rule is, muktzah says, not that you can't touch certain things, but you can't move them. Tiltul is what's forbidden, moving the muktzah item. And for all types of muktzah, you actually are, yes, allowed to move the muktzah item if the way you're moving it is either A, tiltul min hatzad, indirectly through another object, or B, kala'achayad, in a very unusual way. Literally, kalachayad means with the back of your hand, although the back of your hand probably is not sufficient for most types of kalachayad. You have to use, like, let's say, your elbow or your teeth or blowing it or something like that, which is very weird. So that's typically okay. Um, but otherwise, direct movement of muktzah items is not allowed. Um, now, there are three primary categories of muktzah. Um, one is what's called muktzah machmas Gufo, something that's intrinsically mukta because it has no use on Shabbos, like a rock or sand. Um, then you have mukta machmas chesron kiss, things that you don't normally fiddle with unless you're using them for their specifically designated purpose because if they get ruined in any way, you incur a tremendous economic loss. So a classic example for that would be, let's say, the, the Moel's knife or the, the Shochet's knife. See, if the shochet's knife gets nicked, so then he can't do shechit anymore, that's bad news, and therefore one will not use a shochet's knife for cutting cheese, etc. That's called mukta machmas chesron kiss. And a rule of thumb, let's say, would be anything that you wouldn't let your kids play with is probably mukta machmas chesron kiss, so your passports, um, for example, no way, since passports are for passports and nothing else. A third category um, is mukta machmas iser, some which is um, basically intrinsically iser for whatever reason on Shabbos. Um, so, for example, if you catch a fish, you're not allowed to catch fish on Shabbos. 
once you've caught a fish on Shabbos, that fish um, becomes mukta. Or if, let's say, you have wet laundry. So wet laundry, um, not only is it not functional on Shabbos, but if you play with it on Shabbos, you like to come squeezing out the liquid, and that would be an iser. So therefore, the laundry itself is mukta machmas iser, nothing to do with it except something forbidden, therefore it's mukta. An important subcategory of mukta machmas iser, things that are forbidden, is a kli shemalatale iser. That's a utensil who... Um, essentially is a, a dual-purpose item, but it's prime potentially, but its primary purpose is for forbidden malacha. So a klisha malach to iser, the kind of utensil which is used um, for forbidden activities, um, let's say textbook case would be the hammer. Hammers are used for building, bonus asr on Shabbos. So hammers are mukta because they're a klisha malach to iser, they do normally forbidden things. However, such a dual-purpose use item like a hammer which could also be used, let's say, for opening a knot, correct, and open a knot. So um, it actually is, yes, permitted to move a klisha malach iser, and if you're using it for a permitted purpose, and actually there's actually two reasons why you can move the klisha malach iser. This confuses people. Only for klisha malach iser, these two um, special rules apply. You can move it directly, meaning you can pick it up and take the hammer and carry it away with your hand. If you needed either a tzorach, Makomo for the place where the hammer is lying. You know, do you want to sit on the couch? The camera's on the couch, it's in your way. You can just pick up the hammer and move it aside because you need the place where the camera hammer is sitting. That would not be true for the passport. That would not be true for a rock. Those kinds of muktza, the passport again, kiss, the rock, gufo, you need to sort of kick off on the floor with your foot or something like that. But the hammer, it's a klisha malach iser, and you could pick it up with your hand, move it away to use its place, makomo. Or for tzorach gufo, if you need the hammer itself for a permitted purpose. So you're going to pick it up to crack nuts. You can pick it up in a conventional way and crack a nut in a conventional way. Yes, that's permitted. Those are your three primary categories of mukta. We will deal with them here in the Mishnah presently, some of them. Um, there are also three other uh, less common categories. Um, one is mukta machmas mius. If something um, is the kind of thing you wouldn't want to touch because it's disgusting, and grimy and filthy and gross, so then it becomes muktzah to itself. That's one category. You have muktzah machmas mitzvah, something set aside for mitzvah use, like your schach on sukkahs. So even during chol moed, that schach um, uh, is is you can't you can't move it and so you can't play with it um, on Shabbos. You can't eat the food that's you know, dangling from the sukkah, etc. And um, finally, you have muktzah machmas. Excuse me. You have nolad. Nolad is um, something which has come into being in earnest, um, a new thing that's come into being on Shabbos. The Nolad we actually did have previously, um, but those are those three things, Mukta Machmas Mitzvah, Machmas Mius, and Nolad are typic- are quite uncommon in, in real life, but they're Mukta too. Um, in addition to those um, six categories, the three major, three minor, if you will, um, if, and this comes in our Mishnah to play a little bit, if you have a non-muksa item, like a plate, and it's supporting a muksa item. It's called a basis, a, a base, a platform for that muksa item. Um, so provided that it's, that's what it's doing, it's serving the thing above it, so it's subordinate to it, and therefore not just the, let's say, the, the change on the plate, the change, of course, is money and is muksa, but the plate itself, supporting the money, holding the money, is also a basis, it's a, it's a base for the forbidden money, and then, therefore, the plate is muktzah. And the rule is that when it comes to muktzah in general, migod iskatsi, once it's been designated as muktzah going into Shabbos, 
Um, so then it's muktza even if um, the muktza, let's say for example, the, the kids come and take the money off the plate. Now it's just a plate. But since it went into Shabbos being a basis, it remains a basis and muktza, even though there's no money on it anymore right now. Okay, so that is the basic lay of the land of muktza. Now our Mishnah has a bunch of topics here. Let's With that background, let's see it inside. Um, and the first thing we say right away is, you're not allowed to put a plate, a regular plate, beneath a, a lamp that's burning on Shabbos to catch the oil that's dripping out of that lamp. Now, the reason why, actually, I would argue, has nothing to do with muktzah. Okay, this is called the separate rule all to itself, called bitul kli mehechano, which means um, making a perfectly usable utensil no longer usable on Shabbos because it's now got muktz on top of it. Okay, it's not really a, a din and muktz at all. The truth is, um, some uh, Rishonim explain it as it's for sure it's the gazera, it's a derabanan all to itself. They didn't want you doing that to kalim, making usable kalim non usable on Shabbos. Um, some explain it is because it resembles bone construction as much as it's almost like you've cemented this plate to the floor now or at the table because once you have the mukta item on it, you can't move it. So you've like cemented the plate down, if you will. Others say it's comparable or looks a little bit like Soser um, destructing, destroying things, dismantling things. Because, um, again, you've, you've made this like a, you've taken a functional and made it a non-functional plate. Whatever the case is, I would argue it is not with mukta whatsoever. Okay, but the missionary is saying there's a prohibition against bitul kli from taking a kli which is usable and making it non-usable. And therefore, the mission says again, a nos kli and there you cannot put that plate beneath the lamp, the kabbabo es to catch the dripping oil because the oil would make it now muvutal mehechano, no longer usable. Vim nos mutter. But if you put the plate on the table beneath the lamp before Shabbos came in, that's okay because now this plate's been used as a is being used as an oil catcher. And going into Shabbos was never muhan, was never set aside for use on Shabbos, it was set aside for being a, an oil catcher, and therefore that's okay. The mission continues by saying, mimenu. You may not get benefit from the oil that dripped onto the plate. Now we're in Mukta. The oil that was set aside for the lamp on Shabbos is considered to be a basis for the flame because it supports the flame. And that being the case, even if the oil drips out of the lamp, so now it's just oil, and oil is good for putting on your chapped hands, and it's good for eating in your salad dressing, but this oil is was set aside going into Shabbos for um, fuel for the fire. And that being the case, it was not muhan before Shabbos, and therefore, even on Shabbos, now that it's separated out from the lamp, it remains muktzah, not muhan, and therefore you cannot use it on Shabbos. Mishnah continues on by saying, "Now we're now we're moving to a, a new area of Moktza. It says, "Metaltla ner chadash." Yes, you may move a new, never before used oil lamp, um, like a clay lamp, of a low yashan, but you can't move an old one, meaning one that had been burned before. Prior to ever using the lamp before, Chazal understood that this lamp had a variety of uses. It, of course, primarily is going to be used as a lamp, and since you never used it before, you could use it as you know a baby bottle and a or stopper. I don't know what they made good use of, you know, multiple uses for Caleb in those days. And therefore it's usable and therefore you could move it on Shabbos. But once it's been used, it's now grimy and no one wants to touch a grimy, icky oil 
um, lamp. So it becomes muktzamachmas mius, something that's disgusting, and therefore your hands are off and you won't touch it. Now, Rabbi Shimon, the next line of the Mishnah here, he rejects the notion of muktzamachmas mius. He says it's not a thing. There's no such category. And therefore, he says, kolineros metaltlin, you can move any nair, any candle, um, meaning even one that's been used before, and even one which had been used and has gone out, because he also rejects muktzamachmas um, iser, he rejects the idea of migutas katsi, once it's was Shabbos, it stays Muktzah. No, Shimon rejects all those things. Shimon simply says, Chutzmin Haner Hadolik Bishabbos. If the candle is actually a flame and burning on that lamp, so certainly you can't move it because then it's a separate din derabana unless you come to inadvertently extinguish the flame, which would be an instant derabana. But once the flame has gone out, you can move the lamp, whether it's mius and gross, whether it's um, was not supposed to be used on Shabbos, it was before and it was, was Machmas Iser. Um, all these things are not a problem, says Rabbi Shimon. Halacha does not follow him. Finally, the mission says, You may put a any utensil, like a plate, beneath or beside a sputtering lamp that's on fire, to catch the sparks that are flying off it. Meaning you want to protect the wooden table beneath this lamp. And the lamp is sputtering and the little sparks are flying off it. You don't want to get little charcoal you know, black dots on your wooden table. So you put a plate to protect the table. Now, we just said a minute ago, you cannot do that to catch the oil. But now we're saying, yes, you could do it to catch the sparks. And the reason why is because we're saying that while oil is a thing, has mamashos, has substance to it, and therefore oil catching um, onto a onto a plate makes the, is mavato the clean hechano, means the plate now is holding oil and can't be moved. Not true by sparks, because sparks ain't behem mamash. They don't have a substance to them. And although, of course, while they're burning, they're, little burning things, but once the spark has gone out and there's like basically nothing of substance left on the plate, the plate could be moved anyways. There's nothing left on the plate of significance, of significance. So that's okay. So it says you may do that, meaning you may put the plate beneath the sputtering um, or beside the sputtering lamp to catch the sparks. What you cannot do is fill that plate with water. And the reason why is because if you fill it up with water as the, and you're filling up with water as the spark flies in, so then you'd actually be over the doraisa of mechaba, of extinguishing. Therefore, you can't do it. And therefore, we're saying, um, even if there's no sparks flying right now, um, you, can't, you, can't, uh, you can't put water in the plate that's going to catch the sparks. And in fact, um, the Gemara says you can't even do it on Erev Shabbos. Fill a tray with water behind, next to the sparks um, the lamp that will potentially be sparking on Shabbos. The reason why is because we're at a dinder abundant, because we're afraid that a person would do it on Shabbos and then they'd be over Mechab.